This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Worth a try, and he's always prepared to give it a go. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Hello, we are on the ball on BFM with me, your new host, Cam Ruslan, and we have an absolutely packed show today. We've got Premier League, we've got Champions League, Europa uh, Cup, uh, Europa Conference, FA Cup, and Malaysian Internationals. So uh, let's get going with our three pundits. We have Bob Holmes. Hi, everybody. And we have Gogolin. Hello, hello, hello. And finally, we have... Des Corkill. Still reverberating after Goodison's uh, night of heroism, heroism last night. So I'm feeling a little bit weary after a late night last night. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Des's brother, I believe, is a, a, a Everton fan. Brother and two of the nephews, yes. So let's go straight into it. We have Champions League. Let's start with the Champions League. We have to start with Manchester United, nil, Atletico Madrid, one, which means that uh, Atletico Madrid go through. And I want to start actually with you, Gogolin, because Des has always, he's always shouting about anti-football. He hates anti-football, those spoilers, those ones who who play for time and all that kind of thing. And Atletico Madrid under Diego Simeone must be the absolute epitome of this. But in this match, it looked like it was anti-football, not that much, but versus non-football. I don't know what Manchester United were up to. Did did you see any any plan there? Well, I mean, I don't think United has had a plan since Ragnik came in. I think Ragnik has a plan, but I don't think the rest of the players have that same plan. But Des is the one that uh, touted United to go all the way in the Champions League, remember? <laughs> a couple of shows back. <laughs> so what uh, the anti-football you refer to, we refer to as the dark arts of football. And Diego Simeone is the master of that. You know, once you, uh, Atletico go one nil up, they shut up shop, you know. But you... But that being said, this is at Old Trafford, you know, you have those kind of players on the on the pitch. You have Ronaldo, you have Pogba, you know, you have all these players. And if you cannot unlock an Atletico Madrid defence at Old Trafford in a Champions League night, you know, they didn't even look like they were up for it. So I really don't know this United team has a lot. I was talking to United fans after the game and, you know, it's a long way back for them. It's going to be a complete rebuild. You know, I've seen this before with the Liverpool time and United were flying high and Liverpool were, you know, scrapping in the heaps and it's it's a cyclical, right? So it's come back to roost now and uh, I, I do not see what they're going to do. That whole, the Ronaldo plan was, you know, it's, it was a, it was to sell jerseys then more than anything else. They do not have a plan. The Ragnick is the interim manager. Now most of the managers on their hit list have also been knocked out of the Champions League. So I really don't what why are they going to go with their plan? So I really, for me, if I'm a United fan, you know, I would really be worried about where United are going to go from here. Uh, Bob, it feels like, I think if I look at my notes, I think it's 37 years since uh, Sir Alex Ferguson left Manchester United. Uh, <laughs> it, it feels like forever. But I mean, like nothing's happening. And in terms of resets, I'm going to put something out there. Diego Simeone for Manchester United. They surely need that kind of, Discipline? Uh, no, uh, they don't. I don't no? think. Uh, no, no, definitely not. Definitely not. No, he wouldn't fit there. He wouldn't fit. Uh, the only club I think you would say he would fit in inverted commas is Chelsea, because they have a similar attitude to the integrity of football. <laughs> to, coin, <laughs> to coin a phrase. Yes, um, but getting back to United. Um, they're, they're so bad. Things are so bad. They're talking about knocking down Old Trafford and <laughs> rebuilding the ground. Never mind the team. 
they're seriously considering it. Um, no, that's that's an aside. But things are bad, and I think it's because they've never had a plan, as uh, you and Gogs have said. It's always been a scattergun approach with appointing managers and with buying players. They see somebody available, uh, they've got the money, oh, uh, he'd be all right for us, we'll have him, regardless of whether he's going to fit into the team, regardless even sometimes of whether the manager even wants him. I'm sure Ed Woodward went over the heads of at least two managers in buying players that the manager at the time didn't really seem that keen on. And so this is the result. On paper, yes, we've always been saying there are the fourth, they're probably the fourth best squad in the Premier League. And on paper, you would say they, they would have an outside chance at the Champions League. But on the field, it's a very different thing. There's no coherence. There's no spirit. There really doesn't seem to be anything. And I think you summed it up perfectly, Cam. It was anti-football against non-football. My God, you mean I said something correct about football? That's a, <laughs> that's a first. This is being recorded, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> and I want that in writing. I, you know, I could talk about. We could talk about the the Man United uh, debacle forever. I'm, I'm, sure, we, I'm sure. I'm sure. Des has something to say about it. Okay, Des. I'm sure you have. Yeah. Show, show some love for anti-football, Des. And also, were there any decent uh, Man United players out there? I, I mean, Marcus Rashford looks, when he came on, I don't know what's going on there. It's very sad. If you look at the Manchester United starting lineup, and Gogs kind of alluded to it earlier on, they should be they should be competing at the top table. And so something has gone wrong that doesn't seem to be a plan. Um, the 4-2-2-2 seems to have disappeared into a 4-2-3-1, which is exactly what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was doing. Um, under Solskjaer, at least there was a plan. At least. Then they had those horrific defeats against Liverpool and Manchester City back-to-back, which um, eventually cost him, cost him his job. But there was a plan going forward. But they bought Ronaldo. I remember saying at the, at the start that they've not brought Ronaldo for the right reasons. And if you're not doing it for football reasons, then you've always got a problem. So, the, so there's the disconnect with Man United. A good coach, given authority, should be able to come and bring this team into the latter stages of the Champions League. I look at that, and that is a criminal waste of talent that isn't in the, in the last uh, eight of the Champions League. So something clearly, clearly is just taking the two or three percent off the players. Uh, that, that, that you need to be, be successful. So I always thought that these players would, would rise up to the occasion. They didn't, but I tell you what, Atletico Madrid, they are horrible. They truly are horrible. Uh, Anti-football, it's this, uh, it's despicable. <laughs> well, they weren't even at their worst. No, they? they were not. They definitely were not. There was a lot of complaints afterwards, but they really, they, they were just doing, you know, regular but stuff. I do think another 10 minutes should be added to all their games, though for the play acting and time wasting. And, uh, yellow cards and simbins, uh, that's the only way to stop them. Somebody is perceived to be cheating. Okay, they're not red carded, but there's a yellow card. They have three minutes off the pitch. But imagine the, imagine the cheating and the, um, uh, the time wasting that go on when, some, when they're down to 10 men. Something needs to be done with the laws on that. Okay, well, we uh, here on on the ball are also restricted by time, so we got to move on. And uh, I would just quickly say uh, Ajax nil, Benfica one, which means Benfica go through. And also, well, Lille Chelsea, 
Uh, Lille won Chelsea 2, which means Chelsea go through 4-1 on aggregate. And I'm not going to talk the football at all. Goglin, I want to ask you, what is the situation with Chelsea ownership right now as we speak? Well, as last I checked, there's like about 6 billion people who want to buy it all of a sudden. <laughs> Everybody seems to have the money to buy Chelsea. And, you know, they're coming out of the woodworks in partnerships and all not. And I think uh, what... Uh, Bob also alluded to there's even a Saudi consortium now that is thinking about buying it. So right now the front runners are still what I can't pronounce his name, Hanos Witch or something. But you know, I think today is the deadline, if I'm not mistaken. So it's gonna be very, very interesting to see who's who's the who they're gonna actually plump for because you know the money all that talk, but the money's gonna be up up front. Uh so meanwhile, on the pitch then, Bob, uh Chelsea looking pretty good actually. They uh they're not going to win the Premier League. They could be really focusing on the Champions League. Yeah, and uh, they're still in the FA Cup, of course. Uh, so they've got quite a bit to play for. Um, I think they are dark horses in the Champions League. I mean, they're reigning champions, but uh, because of all this uh, this problem they've had and the fact that they've fallen off the title race in the EPL, um, they've we've tended to dismiss them a little bit, but um, come the Champions League, they rise to the occasion and they were very business-like here in, uh, in, this, in this game against Lille. Um, Lille were unfortunate, they hit a post when it was 1-1. Uh, things might've been different, but uh, Chelsea got the job done. And I think they owe a lot to Thomas Tuchel. I think his uh, management, uh, well, I think throughout it, since his appointment, it's been brilliant. But certainly since the news about Abramovich and the uh, the sale of Chelsea, etc. Um, I mean, to lead them through that with vital games, vital part of the season still left, um, to, to keep their focus on the pitch, uh, I think he's done a terrific job. And uh, he's, he's, Chelsea have always been a very cussed club. I mean, we, we criticise them for, for being a sort of plastic outfit, a fancy dance from the West End of London and all that. But you try and beat them. They are very tough opponents. And Liverpool have had some epic encounters with them over the years. Remember the, uh, the Rafa Benitez, Jose Mourinho set twos. And I'm just a bit concerned, um, as I'd like to see Liverpool get at least a uh, get a treble, not a quad, but a treble. Um, I'm a bit concerned that Chelsea could actually get in the way. If any club is going to stop Liverpool getting the quad, it's going to be Chelsea. So I, I see them as formidable opponents in both uh, competitions. And I think a lot of this is down to Thomas Tuchel keeping uh, their, um, their minds on the job in hand. Yeah. Thomas Tuchel uh, made a statement a, while, a short while ago saying, oh, don't worry, uh, fellas, I'm, I'm going to be here till the end of the season. And that's the first time that any manager from Chelsea has had the temerity to say something <laughs> like that for 20 years. Can you imagine Avram Grant saying, oh, don't worry, I'll be here till the end of the season. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I wish we could talk more Champions League. Juvent I'd love to talk about Juventus uh, collapse or failing against Villarreal. Um, the Juventus story is fascinating. We'll do that another time. Now, the uh, the quarterfinal draw, we'll talk more about that um, on the Monday show. But for now, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with the Premier League here on On The Ball on BFM 89.9. 
Deserves a goal that. Love the return pass. Just wide. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back on On the Ball. And we are now going for Premier League. There was a lot of midweek action. And Des, this was Arsenal v Liverpool, which Liverpool won 2 0. This was a really important match for for Liverpool's um, ambitions, but also uh, as a statement for where Arsenal is now. And, well, they didn't really, they didn't really pull it off. Uh, do you think uh, Liverpool are deserving? Did they, did they thrash Arsenal? No, they just uh, were more clinical in front of goal. You look at the, the Firmino back flick, it's, it's, a, it's a magical piece of skill to, to give Liverpool the second goal. Uh, they got a break when uh, Ramsdale's being caught at his near post by Jota, which is uh, the cardinal sin for certainly professional goalkeepers. But Liverpool, uh, they, they survived. Um, Thiago Alcantara uh, said he nearly got two assists because he nearly assisted a goal for Odegaard, which um, would have put Liverpool one down. I think if Liverpool had gone 1-0 down, Arsenal would have had their tails up and had a bit, bit, bit of belief. As always, first goal so important. But this was a, a monstrously big win for Liverpool on the back of Manchester City being held by uh, Crystal Palace earlier on. This was just a, a fabulous win. I don't buy into, oh, Liverpool uh, are now on the momentum because Liverpool have still got to go to Manchester City and win. Or there's got to be points dropped elsewhere. And there's a lot of big games coming on. But as a statement from Liverpool of, um, yes, we are in this and we are going to go all the way to the end, Manchester City, I thought it was a fabulous result and a, a really resilient performance. Uh, Gogolin, let's move to the Man City match. Crystal Palace nil, Man City nil. You've been saying for some time now that Man City are due for a wobble. And I guess in the last five matches, one loss, one draw, this is a Man City wobble. They're now Liverpool and City, 29 matches each, equal on points. Um, what, what did Crystal Palace do? I mean, they, 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 City dominated possession, but Crystal Palace showed that, well, again, perhaps Des is right, that you win by playing and attacking? Uh, see, I mean, City are feeling the pressure, definitely. You can see Pep is feeling the pressure, the players are feeling the pressure, but, you know, City do, dominates possession in every match they play. I don't think there has to be a match where they don't, don't dominate. But, you know, they're, they're, they're feeling the pressure and you could see uh, Palace went up, shut up shop. That's what you're going to do when you play against City, hit them on the counter. And their, their plan worked perfectly. Yes, they hit the post and everything. And these are games of fine margins now. At one point, it was 12 points and all of you were saying they're going to walk with the league. And I said, no, this is going to come back. They are, they are not the team that they, you see. And now, I, I disagree with Des. I think Liverpool are the team with the momentum. To grind out a 2-0 win against Arsenal, who are also on a on, on very hot form at the moment, is a testament to the fact that they are up for it. And they are, you know, and City are watching over their shoulders. If I'm if I was a betting man, yes, I, I would really think Liverpool are going to be at that Liverpool City game. It's going to be red hot, but I think Liverpool will pip it. They have the momentum right now. City might just shift their focus to the Champions League. That's just me personally talking, but I think you know they they feel the pressure definitely, and Liverpool are the red hot team at the moment. What are we talking about then? Final day match is it down to the wire? Well, City got to play Villa on the final day. Yeah, just saying, yeah. just saying. <laughs> <laughs> just saying what? <laughs> <Go on. laughs> um, okay, let's. Uh, I, I want to jump then to the, the, the next match that was played midweek, uh, Thursday morning. Uh, Bob, Brighton nil, Tottenham two. Uh, you know, Brighton are, are mid table. They're very comfortable. They've got nothing to play for. They're not going to go for Europe. They're not going to get relegated. Uh, I'd say that they're audio on the beach, but of course, Brighton is on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Tottenham, on the other hand, 
I mean, they're probably going to lose the next match 4-0. Uh, but uh, did we learn anything uh, about Spurs, I think? Uh, only that Spurs are Spursy, uh, sometimes in a, in a, a good way. I mean, uh, they do seem to alternate between the woeful and the pretty good. So you can't really rule them out for fourth place. Uh, when they've got Harry Kane, who seems to be firing um, now, uh, unusually at this time of the season, because he's normally injured, but he had his sulk um, earlier in the season, and he seems to have got over that now, knuckled down, and uh, he and Son have uh, have got one of the best, partnerships the best understandings of any uh any forwards uh in football i mean they're they're both world class and when they hit their straps they are a danger to anybody and they do this it seems in alternate matches um this is one when they did so you never know what you're going to get but i think conte will keep spurs interested um till the end of the season and I think it really is a battle for fourth place, a battle between Arsenal and Spurs. Um, I mean, United should still be in the mix. But when you see the, what we've talked about earlier, the lack of spirit and cohesiveness amongst the players, um, I, would, I would fancy Arsenal uh, and Spurs over, over United for that fourth place. I mean, there's a lot riding on that. I mean, if United don't get fourth place, then the season really will be a, a disaster. There will be no consolation. And I think for Arsenal to get it would be a tremendous triumph given the way they started, zero points from the first three games. So uh, Spurs, Conte will always keep them in contention. I think they've got a, they've got a better chance than United. I did read, I think, that uh, Conte is being approached, well, is tempted by PSG. So I don't know if that's just a scurrilous rumor. But let's jump to Des. I keep coming to you for the Liverpool matches. I really, I got, I got to break the cycle. This is like, it's too much. But anyway, you mentioned it at the beginning of the program. Everton managed to get a win. Uh, they beat Newcastle one nil. And I've been thinking in the week a lot about Everton actually. I see if they were to be relegated, this would be the biggest club I think in my footballing watching time that I've ever experienced. I mean, I've seen, I know, Newcastle go down, Forest, Leeds, West Ham, but Everton, they're, they're just there. They should be there. Yeah, they, they, they are one of the big six. And you're right to come to me for this. Uh, I'm, I'm of a different generation of uh, many Liverpool folk in that I want Everton to do okay. Not as well as Liverpool. <laughs> but if, if Liverpool don't do well, I'm okay for Everton to do fine. And you don't want them to be relegated. So I watched last night and they weren't very good. Uh, they weren't very good at all. Newcastle weren't very good either. It was a, a difficult one to stay awake for. There was a red card there, which is very much a 2022 red card for Alan. Uh, looked like a good tackle to me, or a late tackle, a yellow card, but um, he then get, gets a red. And, uh, but then the atmosphere, which was already febrile, went up even a notch. And when Alex Awobi was put through and scored the winner, I swear my television was shaking. Never mind the, the old uh, rafters at Goodison Park. That place is just sensational on um, a flood night, flood night like, last, like uh, last night. So they've got the win. But you know what? They've got so many tough games to go. It still might not be enough 
But it, it, it's such a boost for them to get that win against um, uh, with only 10 men on the pitch. It'll give them the boost. At home, I think the crowd can give them a, a, a real, uh, real fillip. So, yeah, Everton, I think, probably just got enough to survive. But, gosh, it's going to be a little bit scary. I think they've got a game against Burnley coming up, and that will be terrifying. Uh, there's, there's, uh, with Everton, when they play at home, there's, the camera seem, there's a season ticket holder, a woman, uh, a woman there, and every time that some action happens, she screams, high-pitched scream, and it's, it's, it's <laughs> you can always hear her voice. Um, okay, so you think that Everton are going to survive? Just, just by the skin of their teeth. I think they're better than Leeds. Leeds, Leeds think they're safe now, but I think Leeds can still come back down. Oh, but it all depends on Burnley, I think, because Burnley were red hot, but then they've lost, what, three games in a row? And so that Burnley revival has disappeared. So I, I don't think the bottom three are going to be the same three, either Leeds or Everton to join them. Pro- pro- uh, Leeds probably the, 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 the ones to join them, I hope. Okay, so those were the uh, midweek matches. Let's look, have a quick look at the uh, forthcoming matches over the weekend. And I want to go to you, uh, Goglan, because it is going to be on Saturday, 8.30 p.m., Aston Villa versus Arsenal. Arsenal really uh, coming good. Well, despite their, their recent loss against Liverpool, but no shame in that. And Villa also stutteringly good. You're, you must be, as a Villa fan, feeling, I don't know what, confident? Well, I, w- I was just thinking to myself the other day after watching the Everton game and, you know, thinking, you know, how lucky. I mean, I'm not a big Stevie G fan, but imagine if we got Frank Lampard as a man. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I gave myself a little chuckle then. <laughs> but but uh, back to your question, we are also at the beach already, I think, if you ask me. You know, we had a position where, you know, the points table is a bit too hard to get. And uh, Arsenal will... We'll be up for this one, and I think a bit more in the tank than us. I, I really don't see the inspiration where we're going to go with uh, how many points we're going to get. You know, we we are we are, we are ninth in the table right now, which is what you know I would say top ten is what we were aiming for. So, like you said, for, if Brighton are safe and in the beach, imagine what Villa are right now. The inspiration is now to gel the players and get the team going on for next season. So yes, these games provide the platform, but in terms of. Uh, Competition like you know, like the West Ham game. You know, we we scored, uh, we won three games in a row, nine points on on the trot, and which was good for our uh, get out of our relegation bet. If we were, there was a relegation battle, put us in a good stead and everything. And then we played West Ham, and I knew that we were going to come down stuck against a, a dominant West Ham side who are also playing well. So the, the same story applies now against a dominant Arsenal side who you know did well against Liverpool, if you ask me, but a bit too much for Villa at the moment. I, I forgot to warn the uh, pundits that I've I've actually installed for the Monday people uh, electric shock so that every time they talk about their team and they say we, uh, <laughs> they, they get a shock. Uh, yeah. So uh, Goglin, next next time we're gonna we're gonna uh, zap you each time. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, Bob, um, <clears throat> I think one of the most intriguing clubs in a boring kind of way has been Wolves, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, have been, I think, kind of quietly sensational. They're in eighth. Um, they kind of blow hot and cold, but when they blow hot, they're pretty good. They're going to be playing Leeds, who desperately, desperately need to get something out of this. And I'm not sure if they can possibly get that something out of this match on Saturday. Wolves, Leeds. Uh, yeah, uh, not the sort of fixture that Leeds would relish uh, when they need points so badly. Wolves are pretty uh, tough to beat. Uh, defensively very sound and they don't have a lot to play for 
a Europa League place, perhaps, or Europa Conference place, um, whereas Leeds are fighting for their lives. And it, it would be an absolute disaster for Leeds to go down after just two years in the top flight, having been out of the top flight for, what, 15 or so. Um, so uh, a lot riding on this. And Wolves will not be that motivated, nowhere near as much as Leeds. Um, they're human beings. You can't expect them. The prospect of a Europa conference place compared to fighting for your football lives, uh, it's, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? But Leeds, Leeds will be heartened by that victory last week. And they, they're going to have uh, Calvin Phillips and Liam Cooper at least on the bench. And they've been two big misses. And I think Patrick Bamford as well is going to be available. Those three, have, I think, have been the reason that um, Leeds have struggled this season, the absence of those three for much of the season, as much as Bielsa's refusal to change his tactics has been a factor. Um, so under a new manager who seems, uh, he seems to have hit it off, uh, made a good start, the fans seem to like him, which is a bit surprising. They absolutely loved Bielsa. And then for the new guy to come in and also be given the benefit of the doubt uh, is a little bit surprising. But um, he, he talks well. He, he seems a decent guy. His CV isn't that brilliant. But um, so far, so good. And I think that Leeds will just about survive. Um, they may nick a point here if they, they can carry that momentum with them. Um, I think the bottom three are going to go down now. Uh, looking at it, Burnley, Burnley have played the same number of games as Everton, and they're four points behind Everton now. And a lot will obviously depend on when they play each other. But uh, Leeds have played two games more than Burnley, and they've got five more points. So it really is on a knife edge. But I kind of fancy Leeds to get something here at Wolves, who are intriguingly boring, as you say. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's something right again. Uh, Des, are we at that point in the season where some clubs are not taking the Premier League seriously? We've got Leicester versus Brentford. Leicester, they've had a stutteringly disappointing season, but they're safe. Uh, relegation, uh, you're probably going to get, what, 35 points this season? Brentford are on 30 on 30. Uh, do you think that uh, Brentford are going to put up a fight? Leicester put up a fight in Leeds? Sorry, Leicester versus Brentford? The season isn't over. Uh, they've, uh, we'll talk about the Europa Conference later on. They've still got progress there. And, and they'll want to build. They know they, there was more expected of them. So they've got a lot to play for. Brentford still aren't safe, but they probably are. But they'll, they'll want to end um, uh, away from the, the relegation zone. So I, I really think it's only Brighton who are on the stone-cobbled seaside. Uh, every, everybody else, I think, has genuinely got something to play for. And just going back, there's a couple of great matches coming up. Burnley versus Everton on the 7th of April. That will not be one for the faint-hearted because an awful lot will, um, will rely on that. If Burnley win that, Everton are right back in the mire. Um, so, no, there's loads, loads to play for. At the top of the table, in uh, for the Champions League slots, even Wolves have got a, a chance of Europa League and... Uh, yeah, and Villa wants to get as high up as they possibly can. So no, no, it's been um, it's been a, a fabulous season football-wise. Take away the obscenity of the money, um, which uh, which I've always got a problem with with the English Premier League. But as an entertainment, gosh, sensational. 
That's it. Yeah, it's such a pro. Talk it up. Uh, we're going to take a break now. And in a moment, we're going to be coming back with Europa League uh, reviews here on On The Ball on BFM 89.9. What about that clearance off the line? How important did that turn out to be in the end? On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back on On The Ball with myself, Cam Ruslan, Gogolin, uh, Des Corkill, and Bob Holmes. And now we're going to be talking Europa League. And uh, one of the... Uh, it's, a, it's a very important result. West Ham to severe nil, which means West Ham go through 2-1 on aggregate. If you know, Sevilla have their name on the cup for the Europa Cup every year, I think. So if you can get through Sevilla... And uh, that man, Andrei Yarmolenko, who, uh, the Ukrainian, who has been kind of ex- ignored by David Moyes in the past, he's come back with another goal, a very late winner. This could be the beginning, well, not the beginning, this could be a very important part of the journey for West Ham and the Europa Cup, don't you think? Yep. I was just thinking to myself that, wow, Yarmolenko has just gone back into the storyline now, especially with the Ukraine story and everything. And, you know, it's good to see that he's got the, well, it was the winner, but, you know, it was the winner, though, right? Yeah, and the, he gave gave his uh, jersey to a fan who was holding up the Ukrainian flag, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. But West Ham, yeah, I think they've they've got their priorities right. They were in the bubble. They've come back off that. They've uh, notched two wins in a row now. And like you said, if you can beat Sevilla in the European League, your pedigree in there is quite uh, something to be taken not for granted. So yes, we are in the last eight, and. Um, Let's see where West Ham take it. I mean, they, again, we, uh, most of the teams, like you said, have a purpose in now in, in West Ham. I, uh, top four might be a bit of a bit of a stretch, but you know they could put their eggs in the Europa League basket. If you ask me, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the money I think you get from winning the Europa League it's nothing compared to the Champions League. I see that because Sevilla have won it so many times, but have not really, you know, become one of the top, top clubs in Spain. They are a top club, but they don't, they don't really regularly win the title. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Des, a club that used to regularly win the title in Spain, uh, Galatasaray won Barcelona 2, so Barca get through in the Europa League. <laughs> um, that man, Aubameyang, pops up. Uh on the one hand, it's like this is this is good, but on the other hand, I mean Barcelona in the Europa League. This is this is sad, isn't it? No, it's not sad at all. It's football. It's not the the top league is not only for the top clubs. The top league is for the clubs who are playing best at their time. I just need to go back to Juventus and just for a moment, because Juventus in the um, Super League would not have allowed the likes of Ajax or Lyon. Um, who else have they lost to? In um, or Porto or Villarreal. or Villarreal would not be allowed to play in the same league as Ajax if the Super League happens. So same for Barcelona. Teams come good, teams drop down a little bit. Barcelona are a billion dollars in debt or something, and somehow they're buying players. Somehow, somehow, I don't know how that works. It's it, it's mind bending. It's it's um, highly dubious, but I've got no evidence to to, to point to that. But. <laughs> Under under new coach Zabi, they're playing some lovely football. I've got to tell you, if you go to YouTube, watch Pedri's goal. Pedri's goal is a a, a work of art, absolutely gorgeous, and and uh, that equalised a very um, a very frantic start from Galatasaray. Galatasaray took the lead here, so Barcelona not only won, but they came from a goal down at Galatasaray with a rebuilding team and playing really nice football. So again, take away the obscenity of the finance. 
This was a fabulous performance by, by Barcelona and suggests that they are coming back. These, in inverted commas, smaller trophies are there to be won. And that breeds confidence to go on and win the, in inverted commas, bigger trophies. But every trophy is big. Let's take a moment then, because I know Bob has thoughts on, you mentioned the, the, the Super League, which has sort of like come back a little bit as a conversation piece. Bob, um, the Super League, I know you're in favour. You, you love the idea, don't you? Do I? <laughs> I think you got me wrong there. Um, I absolutely hate it with a passion. Um, the Super League. Uh, I mean, it's turned me off uh, Barcelona, actually. Uh, their continued involvement in it. Uh, I, I never was much of a Juventus fan or Real Madrid for that matter. But I mean, I'd love those three clubs to to go down, basically, <laughs> uh, for what they've done. I mean, that was the most horrendous thing, even in uh, an already obscene season. Uh, no, I'm totally with uh, Des on this. Uh, what was the question? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, Bob. I had you all wrong. I thought you were <laughs> all no, for you the corporatization of... Uh... You, you got me wrong there, big time. Yeah. Um, well, okay. I probably answered the question then. Yes, I, I think maybe you did. Uh, okay. So let's, uh, let's look at um, another club. Actually, I want to come back to you, Bob, because I think that you might have thoughts on this one as well. Uh, Red Star Belgrade 2, Rangers 1, but Rangers get through... Uh, 4-2 on aggregate. Um, uh, you know, Rangers, if, if, there, if there truly were a proper European Super League, I think, you know, Rangers and Celtics should be in there probably. Uh, this, this, is a, this is a big step for, for Rangers Football Club, is it not? Well, it is, uh, definitely. Um, I mean, uh, this is the new Rangers Football Club. Uh, let's, I think this has to be mentioned. Okay, it's, we call it Rangers. But Rangers went bust through some very, very dodgy dealings. Uh, rightly, rightly so, they went bust. And they had to reform in the lower Scottish leagues and uh, make their way up again. And they've done that, but uh, they're nowhere near what they were before. But this is a step in the right direction. I mean, they won the um, European Cup Winners' Cup. I think it was the year after Celtic became the first British winners of the European Cup. And at that point... If Rangers and Celtic had been in the old English first division, they would have been in the top four, possibly top two. I mean, that is the kind of tradition we're talking about here. But on recent form, they, um, they wouldn't make it. Um, but it's really down to broadcasting rights. This is the difference. They still get massive crowds, both Rangers and Celtic. But they bigger than most Premier League clubs, actually the size of their crowds, bigger than, than half the Premier League uh, clubs, um, yet they get a tiny fraction of the broadcasting revenue. And that explains it all. And that's why they've been, uh, I mean, Celtic um, had to sell Virgil van Dijk to Southampton. <laughs> and then Southampton sold him to Liverpool. I mean, that gives you an idea of where they are in the pecking order. I mean, you know, um, it, and it's all down to that. They get 60,000 crowds, but Southampton get 20,000. Yeah, I find on my, my football Twitter feed that, uh, yeah, Scott, uh, Rangers and Celtic fans absolutely just dominate Twitter 
with with their um their takes and let's just i want to jump quickly into this because Stuart cavens late of uh, this show a celtic fan he he would argue of course that rangers actually no longer exist they actually got uh, <laughs> uh uh you know the company got folded up and so this is some 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 other club they don't they don't actually entitled to the name rangers he would say he's very generous and uh, but des you know scottish football rangers and celtic they're huge names and if is there some way do you think that they can be involved in the english game i don't know uh, league cup or something uh, well, they're, they're different. They're under different football associations for a start. So I think Scottish football would lose too much to allow them to go. Um, if it was purely commercial, great. To me, the best the best solution to this is uh, I was a student at, in Scottish universities in the early eighties when Aberdeen, so Alex Ferguson's Aberdeen and Dundee United made it a, a four way battle, and Hibernian and Hearts were also there challenging for titles. So, if, so while Rangers and Celtic get the wrong end of the of the money stick in terms of European football, everybody else gets the wrong end of the money stick in in, in Scottish football. I, I'm just looking for domestic leagues to be competitive. It's always about competition, and if you have somebody too big, then it, it, it's a problem. But um, it's up to the others to come out that tight. That's a long-winded way of saying I don't think there's a chance in hell of them ever being invited into uh, into a British league. Also, what's a money stick? And uh, where do I where do I find a money stick? Money <laughs> <laughs> grows on trees, you know. Oh, wonderful! Uh, okay, so uh, Goglin, that's uh, that's the um, Europa League. Let's quick, quickly look at some of the other results. Atalanta beat Leverkusen. Braga, uh, it's been pretty good for Portuguese football. Braga beat Monaco. Frankfurt, Real Bet beat Lyon, unfortunately, for European, uh, Portuguese football. Lyon beat Porto. One day we must talk more about Lyon. And Leipzig had a walkover against Spartak Moscow because Russian clubs have been kicked out. Meanwhile, in the European Conference League, which I still struggle to understand what this is. I even Googled it. Um, Rennes beat Leicester 2-1, but Leicester go through uh, 3-2 on aggregate. We talked a little bit about it before. Is this a serious, uh, do you think, a serious concern for Leicester, perhaps, perhaps the only serious concern for them? Well, to answer your question, what the European Conference League is, it's an uh, epitome of what uh, kids are nowadays where everybody gets a medal for participating. So, yes, <laughs> it's the, that's that's the reason for the Conference League or whatever it's called these days. Utter, utter rubbish, if you ask me. And yes, I sound sound like Des and Bob now, but thanks. You do, yes, you're, you're an old man. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Bloody hell. Get me off the show, mate. <laughs> you're going to be talking money sticks soon. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Leicester, you know, I, I don't really understand. If I was a Villa fan, and I'm not going to use the word we now, <laughs> you know, Villa fans should wonder what they're doing in the Conference League, you know. Does it, it provide a platform to buy new players, to give them exposure? You know, I really don't understand what the Conference League is for. So really, if you ask me about Leicester, I really cannot answer you because I don't understand the existence of why the Conference League even exists. Well, Brendan Rogers didn't even know about it. <laughs> I mean, and now he wants to win it. Now he would really like to win it yeah. because it's the, uh, you know, they've got nothing else to play for in the league. But he actually said that when they got knocked out of the um, Europa Europa League um, and they were relegated to the conference, he was actually surprised. He said, what's that? <laughs> I, I don't know how ticket sales are going for, for these uh, conference matches. I mean, there are some big names here. 
Des. Full house, full house. Listen, there's some big names. Europe, four of my European Cup winners. PSV Eindhoven, yeah. Feyenoord, um, Marseille, uh, joining uh, Leicester and Roma. So you you can you can mock all you want, but this is a this is a, a trophy well worth winning if you're in in a competition. Uh, this is why I never understood why Spurs took it so. Um, what was the word? Laxadaisically. Um, because Leicester have got a chance of, of winning a major competition against some big names. I think it's a, a great opportunity for them. Another trophy for Mourinho. Roma, isn't it? But you have to understand that some teams don't have the depth to be competing in all these uh, tournaments. That, you know, yes, Leicester are in it now and they're going to take it seriously now because they're where they are now. But do oh, you think Brendan Rodgers took it seriously when he got dropped into it? I don't really think so. And the reason Spurs didn't take it seriously is because they got bigger things to, uh, bigger fishes to fry. They think they have bigger fishes to fry. But, you know, maybe their level is the Conference League and they don't know about it yet. But mm. uh, Yeah, but that's right. There are some big names here. And, for instance, you have Roma uh, getting through, beating Vitesse of um, Netherlands. What a goal, by the way, in that game. Vitek of Vitesse. Oh, what a goal. Uh, Des, I'd like to ask you about the other goal scored by Tammy Abraham. Uh, because, you know, the, this show is a little bit English-centric, it has to be said. But Tammy Abraham, he's a, he's a player that's uh, getting a lot of love out in uh, Italy. And scoring goals as well. This one was a tap-in, uh, two yards out in the, in the last minute to, to get them through 2-1 on, on aggregate, uh, prevented extra time. I think he's the European Conference uh, Cup's um, top scorer. Seven goals. He's doing okay in Serie A. Roma aren't competing for the title, but he's made a decent fist of things out there. And he's been called up to the England squad this week. Uh, I think it's a really good move if, you, if you're not getting a playing time, as he wasn't really at Chelsea, for him to move either to other English clubs or to um, major European leagues, I think can only do him good. And he looks so mobile, looks so fit. Um, and again, Roma will take this very seriously. Mourinho will take it seriously, I promise you. Yeah, and then he'll get bought by Manchester United and completely wasted and played other positions. Because <laughs> he, he's the kind of name that they like. It was like, oh, he's getting big praise out in Europe. Let's get him. But, but anyway, uh, enough anti-Manchester United talk. Uh, we, we'll move on and we'll come back in a moment and we're going to start talking about the big one, the FA Cup, here on On The Ball, BFM 89.9. It is a fine goal. Fine had a fine goal. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back on On the Ball in the final part four. And we're talking the important thing here, the FA Cup. And it's important because Bob Holmes is a lifelong Nottingham Forest fan. And Nottingham Forest are in the quarterfinals and they're going to be playing Liverpool. And there, there was an important match once upon a time between Nottingham Forest and Liverpool in the, in the European Cup. But, but Bob promised he's not going to talk us through the, uh, the, the European uh, campaigns of uh, Brian Clough. You must be very excited, though, and uh, try not to say we too much. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a tremendous season for Forest, and this FA Cup run has been really the icing on the cake. Um, we started very, very badly and were favourites for relegation into the third tier, having got one, uh, one point from uh, the first seven games. But uh, we changed managers. And that's two, isn't it? That's two. Four. 
You said it four, four. times. Oh, okay. Four times. All right. I'll keep it in single figures then. Um, and uh, we've not let, uh, never looked back. It, it's, uh, it's been remarkable. Having beaten Arsenal, Leicester and Huddersfield, um, we now face Liverpool. And uh, we've been fortunate to have home fixtures each time. So that has helped uh, an awful lot because the crowd has really got behind the team. Fact houses all the time. But I'd just like to say something for the FA Cup this season. When uh, I, I watched the first game, which is on a Friday night, Saturday morning here, it was Middlesbrough against Manchester United. And little did I think that this FA Cup crammed into midweek as it is for much of the time, as it has been for certain rounds, I, I didn't expect it to bounce back as a tournament. It's been fantastic. There've been some great upsets and you've still got uh, the top three teams in it. Uh, it's been wonderful. It couldn't have been scripted better. So that's, that's been remarkable. I think there's been something to be said for having uh, no replays, actually. I think it's kind of sharpened it up somehow. There, there just isn't the time anymore for replays. And there's been some great drama penalty shootouts. Um, as far as Forrest's chances of beating Liverpool, I can't see it. I can't see it. The gap is just too great. I mean, we, we again... Uh, you, could be, you could be talking about... I don't know. We the people, I don't know. Used to get under Liverpool's skin. There was a period when we actually had Liverpool's number, uh, knocking them out of the European Cup, beating them in the League Cup final. And then, of course, there were the two uh, semifinals at Hillsborough, one of which ended in uh, absolute tragedy. So we do have a history to uh, the two clubs meeting and uh, they will evoke memories but the gulf between the two is absolutely huge. So uh, despite the great efforts of Steve Cooper, the new manager, um, I, I, I just can't see it. I think uh, if Forrester holding on, say, on for halftime or something, Klopp will just look at his bench, bring on two or three £50 million players and, and take care of business. But uh, I, hope, I hope it's a good game. Uh, okay, Des, our Liverpool correspondent. Uh, do, do you think that uh, Forrest got a chance, or do you agree with uh, Bob's? Because it's at the City Ground, I think uh, the home home support might might uh, sway something. But uh, this Liverpool team are, are, are just incredible. You've got to enjoy them as Liverpool fans because they are so overachieving, wonderful. But uh, this fixture is all about Hillsborough. Um, it, it, we've, Liverpool and Nottingham Forest have played each other in the uh, league since, but as, as an FA Cup reminder, this is the first time since the poignant times of Hillsborough. And then the long uh, fight for justice that was eventually um, vindicated. Um, so there was, there's been a lot of angst and a lot of anger, and there's still 97 people who are remembered outside Liverpool. So um, football's great, but it's, it's, it's one of the more important, unimportant things. Yeah, I remember Hillsborough. It was just the most, one of the most terrifying things I ever saw. Uh, Gogolin, uh, Middlesbrough versus Chelsea. Bob mentioned Middlesbrough's journey, uh, but Chelsea, we talked about at the top of the show, they're, they're pretty damn strong. So uh, this is apparently a repeat of the 1997 uh, Cup final. 
Uh, my memory is so poor. I didn't know that. Oh, no, I remember. I watched that. And uh, what do you think? Do you think Chelsea Chelsea want this, don't they? Yeah, of course. You know, they, like Bob was saying, they are in the FA Cup and the Champions League. And the league, I think, is a bit too has gone a bit too far for them unless there's a monumental collapse from both teams. So, yes, they will be looking at the FA Cup as a really, really uh, good KPI for the season. And especially with the, what they've been going through so far, they will be putting down the marker in the FA Cup. Especially to the local uh, fans, to, to the local uh, community, sorry. And and trying to push up the price also of Chelsea <laughs> football club. I don't think you can push up the price anymore. It is already at a premium. This is, after all, Chelsea Football Club. It's a premium address, mate, in London. It is worth 2.5 billion. How much is it now, Des? An obscene amount. An obscene <laughs> amount. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I asked the Monday guys if we wanted to put some money together, but they... Uh, they, they had a look at their bank accounts and they decided against it. So, uh, Des, I want to jump to you quickly then. Um, Southampton versus Man City. Southampton, hot and cold, strange kind of club this season. But Man City, I mean, they're Man City. But Ralph Hasenhutl uh, seems to have found a way to, to defend against Man City. Southampton have done fairly well against Guardiola's sides. I think they, they got a draw um, at um, St. Mary's. Earlier on the year, I, I, I remember they, they did performed well against them last year. Um, for Man City, obviously, they'll be having a look over their shoulder now at Liverpool. They'll be a little bit worried. Um, but, yeah, they, they chase every trophy. And they're such a wonderful side with such a, a huge squad. Difficult to see City not winning this. But Southampton will give this a real go. Again, if they can score the first goal, if Southampton can get the lead and something to hold on to, the crowd will get right behind them and it becomes a, a very, very a difficult afternoon for Manchester City. But a bit like the Forest game, it's difficult to, to not to see the top clubs coming through. Mm. Well, speaking of top clubs, uh, the final one we're going to talk about, Crystal Palace versus Everton. I don't know who is the top club in this, this particular fixture. <laughs> At the beginning of the season, I would have said, oh, Everton, a shoe-in. But Crystal Palace... And I think that Palace are also set up actually to look like a cup-run team. Uh, Bob, do you see... And I, I've got Crystal Palace as, as winning the FA Cup, by the way. Bob, do you think that uh, Palace can get through or Everton will get through? I don't know. Uh, fascinating contest. I think um, if Everton had not won last night, I think uh, Crystal Palace would, would be favourites, firmish favourites. But I think that uh, that goal by Alex Iwobi, who was regarded as being vastly overpriced when uh, Everton paid 40 million for him from Arsenal. I think he's paid off his, his fee. If, he, if that goal is responsible for keeping Everton up, it'll be well worth 40 million. Um, but Ev Everton will have uh, a great boost from that. And even though their priority will be um, survival, in the, in the Premier League, I think that they could take a lot from uh, a, a decent cup run. And clubs like to win matches. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, the, there used to be a thing called the Anglo-Scottish Cup, which was among the most Mickey Mouse of all these minor tournaments. And Forrest won that. And Brian Clough said that that was what started them off on their... A uh, great run of uh, winning trophies. Um, so, I mean, yeah, they, Frank Lampard would love to win the FA Cup. What a feather in his cap that would be. So, you know, tiredness and all that, 
uh, it goes out of the window when you're winning. Winning matches is the greatest cure for injuries and, and fatigue. So I think Everton have got a, a, well, a fighting chance here. They'll be lifted massively by that uh, win over Newcastle. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, was it Roberto Ma- was it Martinez with, with, when he won uh, the... Uh... Won the Cup on relegated same year, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the, the fans of... I think they were very happy, actually. The fans, I believe, were very happy to have won the Cup. Wigan fans, absolutely. Yeah. A bit different with Everton if they win the Cup and get relegated. Very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to move away from European football altogether now. We're going to talk internationals out here in Asia. We'll talk... Uh, Des, I'm queuing you up here. Malaysia versus Philippines on 23rd of March. Uh, later, a, f- a few days later, be Malaysia-Singapore. What state is uh, Malaysia in? Well, it's the first chance for Kim Pangon, the new coach, to uh, put a squad together. And he put a big squad together so we could have a look at people, see what was going on. And they've got this um, competition coming up uh, against Philippines and Singapore. It's a, it's a non-competitive um, event, really. But... Um, it's an opportunity for Kim Pangong. Uh, we, we, we don't know a lot about him. Um, so we need to see who he selected. His squad selection was pretty, pretty straightforward. 15 players from Johor, Darrell Taksim, or the, uh, the camp selection. A lot of Johor players. Uh, he hasn't had much chance to see the, um, the, the players in action because there's only been two league games. So just sit, sit on the fence. Let's, let's not get too excited. Let's just make sure he puts a team that works hard, that looks like they have some cohesion, that wasn't there in the Suzuki Cup when um, a second-string team really frustrated and went out in the, in the knockout stage. So it's, it's a new beginning, and let's just see what Kim Pangon can do. So no predictions on this, no real high expectations. It's more a chance for Kim to see what he's got to play with. Uh, Gogolin, do you... Uh... Are you feeling? How do you feel about Malaysian football moving forward? Do you think that that there's a chance to rise up the rankings? Well, the, the immediate thing is to rise up the rankings, and uh, only what uh, TMJ was saying yesterday is that uh, he spoke to Kim Bangon and he's impressed with the plan that he has come up with. In uh, so he's finally seen a, a proper plan of where to get to where and all that. He's never shared as much before. So you know, from the, that snippet of information, we sh- should be a bit more. Uh, hopeful. So let's see, like with Des, you know, he, this is his first, you see what he's got to play with. Let's see what he comes up with. We, we have to give, we, we, we cannot look for short-term quick-fire results and, you know, and start getting, uh, crowing about everything. Let's give him time, see what he can do with the team. That's the great thing about football is before the matches ever happen, there's that hopeful. And then after, there's not that hopeful. <laughs> As, also, with our show, we have the Friday and the Monday. So we have different moods. Always- we have the hopeful on Friday and the devastated on Monday. <laughs> At this point, you know, uh, Bob is dreaming of going to Wembley with, with his beloved Nottingham Forest. And then by Monday, it'll be well, just back to work as usual. <laughs> just, just on with uh, Kim Pangon, though, they, uh, good coaches are meant to be able to make players better and squads better. And so we, we've seen that um, Malaysia have, as recently as 2019, been a very, very decent side. So you're hoping that the coaching that he brings into it will be able to get Malaysia back up to those challenging for the Asia Cup places kind of a, a, um, position. And by, I didn't know Bob was an Nottingham Forest fan. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, he is. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. I'll tell you about it sometime. That's a secret. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and on that hopeful note, we end uh, this week's show, uh, this week's On the Ball, and I'll thank our pundits, Bob Holmes. Good luck with your uh, your viewing. Thanks, Cam. Yes, I'll be there glued to the set, um, but fingers crossed. Behind two sofas, I think. Okay. And uh, meanwhile, uh, Des Corkill, whose team will win that match. Always a pleasure, Cam. Always a pleasure. Great to see you. And Gogolin. Who's a, who'll be a Forest fan this weekend. Come on, Forrest. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and myself, Cam Raslan. And please join us on Monday uh, when we do more football. But for now, it's On The Ball, BFM 89.9. He cannot win the title without an outstanding goalkeeper. And he's been absolutely brilliant. On The Ball on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.